Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. Happy Mother's Day. Um, Before I begin, I'd like to preface this a little bit. I wrote the following to share at our last all-church baby shower. And at those showers, my audience is strictly ladies, with the exception of a few of the tiny little men ranging from like one month old to nine months old. But this is directed at mothers, typically in their earlier years years of parenting. And my hope is that each one of you in this room, though, could grasp at least the smallest little nugget of what I'm trying to get across and be able to apply it to your life as well. So I titled this little tidbit, The Best Mothering Advice I Could Ever Give You. I was recently perusing the parenting section of a bookstore, and something that I've never noticed before struck me. There are so many articles and books out there written by experts with titles like 101 Ways to Play with Your Toddler, Get get Organized Quick Before Your Life with a Newborn Begins, 10 tips to handle your child's negativity like a Zen master. Eight ways to control your kid's anger or how to stop yelling at your kids in 30 days. These books fall into what I deem as the self-help category, but what is missing in the approach of each of these books is that they do not get at the root of our most basic issue. I want to be completely honest with you. Most of the time, it isn't that I don't know how to spend quality time with my children or that I don't know how to stop yelling. It's that other things are more important to me. Sometimes I downright resent the demands of my family and I'm actually perfectly content to give them my leftovers as I continue on with what I want. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I don't enjoy my husband and daughters or delight in serving them but there is no point in reading one of these self-help books when what I really need is my own sin issue dealt with. No expert can give me three quick steps to eliminating selfishness or how to change a hard heart. There is only one thing that can do that, the gospel. The gospel can do that. There may be some hope in these self-help books, but that is not real hope. Sweet friends, real hope is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever your sin issue as a mama is, it is dealt with. It is already dealt with. It has been completely and utterly dealt with. The gospel tells us that we can live godly lives and that we can reflect God's glory and that we can be the aroma of Christ in our home that we can change the legacy of our family line because of Christ. There is definitely something, something appealing in reading 10 ways to and top seven ways to and how-to articles, which is why people write them. But we need to know where to turn when facing the sin in our own mama hearts. That's where you all apply that to yourself, even if you're not a mom. We are the hearts that are supposed to nurture, supposed to protect, to selflessly serve. But dang it, that is so stinking hard sometimes. Much of what is out there in these self-help books gives us the sense of wisdom and organization and I've got it all togetherness. But they offer no help in beating the true issue. 
here's this here's the thing we're all sinners we're all fallen not only that but our sin isn't just a little white lie type of sin that seems harmless no it is dirty raunchy deep and destructive there is no 10-step 30-day how-to solution deep enough to fix that friends we need the gospel we need Jesus the only solution is the power of God I told Seth I wouldn't get emotional I need the trustworthy statement of the gospel that tells me Jesus came to save sinners Jesus came to save me he came to save all of you I rely on this statement when my heart resents being in a hot kitchen serving ungrateful children and having to drop everything to maybe run to the field and help my farmer husband move equipment at a moment's notice the gospel I need to hear is that God can take an entire day's worth of my mommy failures and redeem them and make all things new when I wake up in the morning even before the Sun is up Jesus is eager and waiting to run to me with buckets and buckets full of fresh grace and fresh mercy. That is what I need to know and remember. I need to know that I've been redeemed from my own sin. I need to know that I've been set apart for worthy purposes. Worthy purposes. I need to know I've been given everything I need and that even when I fall, which I will continue to do, God himself is faithful because he cannot be anything other than that. I need to know that the God who cares for all the birds of the air and directs them where to go, or who also cares about my monthly menus and laundry folding and floor mopping, there's no hope for me. There's, sorry, there is hope for me and there is hope for you. Sure, I can learn from 10 steps and 14 days and 100 chips, but 100 tips, but not without the gospel. God has redeemed us from the worthless. He cares. He reassures me that I can relate with my girls on a deeper level because he is there whispering in my ear, this is the way, walk in it. I am the way, walk with me. As a believer, there still is an allure to self-help books, but the real hope is in the gospel. Oh, how deep, how rich, how sufficient that hope is. Our mommy hearts need it. In closing, as a desperate, exhausted, and sometimes yelling mama, get to the gospel. Open it up. What you need instantly is not Instagram. What you need in your face isn't Facebook. What you need pinned on your wall isn't Pinterest. Your secret sauce in the kitchen isn't somebody's blog. What you need pumping through your veins What you need pumping through your veins is the word of God. Mama friends, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly because the gospel is in the power of God for your salvation. It is the moment-by-moment redemption of a mama's life. And that is the best mothering advice I could ever give you. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to Luke chapter 1 this morning. Luke chapter 1. We're going to get right into this. I want to read this little uh, 
passage of verses and you're going to sit here and go, well, how does this pertain to motherhood and all that sort of stuff? But we're going to get there. Trust me, we're going to get there. So Luke chapter 1, verses 46, uh, verses 46 through 55. If you don't have your Bibles, they'll be on the screen. Look at that. They're already there. Here we go. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will, be, will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. In response to Mary finding out that she was going to be pregnant with the Son of God, Jesus, this is how she responded. And today, I hope by the end of our sermon, by the end of my talk, I don't like to call it sermons, but by the end of when I get done here, um, I hope that you guys will look at it and go, hey, maybe you didn't bear the Son of God, but that any time as a mother or anything like that, you go, this is what I can do right here. I can worship God for how great he is. Let's pray quick. God, I'm blown away by Mary and her response to finding out that she's pregnant. It's not a bunch of worries. It's not a bunch of concerns. It's not a bunch of how is this going to happen or all of that sort of stuff. It is about glorifying you and how you've been working throughout history. That God through us, through, well, through mothers, um, and they can affect generations upon generations. Just by simply doing some of the things we're going to talk about, by following you and by seeing your gospel and your goodness. And so God, would you speak actually not just to mothers today, but all of our hearts. Open up the word to us. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So my wife came to me last night and just said, why, why do we celebrate Mother's Day? And in which I responded, you're exactly right. We mothers uh, are 365 days a year. They don't need a special day. <laughs> That's wrong. Every day is a special day for moms, but... Here's what I think, is that why do we celebrate Mother's Day? Because this, all mothers need encouragement because all of them don't think that they're even good enough to be mothers. At every certain point in time, that's what they think. Man, we need a Mother's Day because we need to give encouragement. 
And so today's sermon is going to be just that, is to talk about, uh, man, what's the motivation of your heart? What motivates your heart? See, Charlotte Siskoyas, runner, um, wasn't perfect by any means, but was my mother. She worries a lot. She cares far too much what people think of her. And she wears her heart on her sleeve. She has a bit of low self-esteem. And most of my best traits come from my mother. And a lot of you guys would go, why are you starting with your mom's kind of, <laughs> if you would say, laundry list of worst traits? Because, and yet you will never find a person who cares more for her four boys than she does. I've never known a day where her love has not, for me, has not faltered. I also know that I was never hungry. I never went, I never had a lack of clothes. In fact, actually, my mom's slogan around our house was, you might have holes in your jeans, but they'll be the cleanest jeans there. Never spent a cold night somewhere wondering what was going on. I, especially out of all of the boys, was on the top of my mother's prayer list. Not because I was her favorite, uh, but because uh, if there was ever trouble, I was directly in the middle of that trouble. My mom's love came with good, with a good amount of discipline in my life. In fact, actually, I remember two things quite clearly. Um, actually, I don't know if I remember the first one, but here's the story is my mom spanked me one time because, of course, I was probably doing something um, because I wasn't a perfect child and my mom just doesn't spank because of nothing. But anyway, um, I had a diaper on and I turned around to my mom and I said, that didn't hurt. <laughs> and quickly my mom's eyes, you know, turned to the rage and I went running and pulled me out, whipped off my diaper and that hurt. The other part is my mom uh, perfected pinching. Um, I don't know if you know the correct way to pinch, but it is simply use these two fingers and pinch the smallest part of skin you can possibly grab with that. But while you're pinching, you should pull and twist at the exact same time. <laughs> that always works no matter what. And so I remember always walking in the grocery store and us boys, because we were all rambunctious, and um, I'd probably break so many things. And my mom always said, anywhere we go shopping, our hands, all, one hand always had to be on the cart. And if we ever pulled our hand off the cart, guess what happened? Pull, twint, pinch, whatever. I mean, it was painful. And also, she had a knack for knowing exactly what was going on as she was driving behind the seat. And her fingers always found us in our Chrysler 600. But one story that I will um, tell you about my mom that I will never forget. I can forget the pension. I for can forget the diaper. But I was 18 years old. And I decided that uh, it was a great time in my life to be who I wanted to be. And so my mom and, my mom and dad and all their wisdom decided that it was okay if I went out of town to Bozeman. I grew up in Billings and went out of town to Bozeman to watch the... Uh, state basketball tournament and so a bunch of friends and I we got together and and we went and that weekend was filled with a lot of stuff that um, 
man, first time experiences for me and all of those sort of things and um, included a Pink Floyd laser light show, um, you can imagine. And so uh, I get home after that weekend, Monday rolls around and my mom actually doesn't ask me more than how was your weekend? I said it was good. She never asked anything else of me because my mom is way smarter than me. And so on Monday night as she's cooking tacos, because I remember, and I'm sitting at the counter cooking tacos, and I'm just talking to my mom. And, and I said, aren't you going to ask me what happened this weekend? And she said, I know. I know what happened this weekend. And I said, okay, good, good. And we went along, and, and um, all of a sudden I just start bawling. Right? I am just crying profusely, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I did this and this and this and this. And she looked at me and she said, I know. And I was like, how? how? She goes, well, I know my son. I, I know who you are. I don't, that, I don't actually expect that from any of your brothers, which is kind of weird. But, but this is what my mom said. And I get... I said to her, I said, aren't you just going to at least punish me? Aren't you going to yell at me? Aren't you going to tell me all the things that I did wrong? And here's what she said. I am disappointed. But do you know what is more important than my disappointment? And she turns around at me and she looks at me and I'm, my goodness. Uh, with tears in her eyes. And by the way, if mom ever cries in our house, all four of us boys just start shooting tears out, Right? And then we punch each other for who's the one that made her cry. But this is what she said. How you and God continue after this moment is going to be the most important thing in your life. At the heart of motherhood is the gospel. At the heart of motherhood is the gospel. There's this, I, as I started with this process, I started looking at, <laughs> I started looking at this really obscure passage, and you guys don't need to, we're not going to turn to it, but it's Luke 16.21. I'm sorry, not Luke, John 16.21. And in there, Jesus starts actually saying all these things about he's going to leave and then pretty soon he's going to see them again talking to his disciples and, and all this stuff and his disciples don't understand what's going on and, and then in this passage all of a sudden he says something like this. He says, when a woman is giving birth she has sorrow because her hour has come but when she has delivered the baby she no longer remembers the anguish. I think that as we look at motherhood today we need to realize that it is anguish. But when we start to realize what we're working towards, it's complete joy at the end. And so I realize today that there are a bunch of dudes in the audience. There are plenty of single people. There are those that don't have children. There are those that have children that have been long gone out of the house. There are some of you that have tried to have kids but for some reason haven't been able to and I'm sorry for that. There are, there are also some of you who have never wanted to have children and that's okay. And, but today, 
though coming from the motherhood standpoint, the truth of what we're going to get into is actually, I wonder, could be the heartbeat of all of us. It just happens to be from the bent of motherhood today. And so like I started earlier, I, I want to ask you the question, what motivates your heart? What motivates your heart? Because I think that when we see the story of Mary and that she's just praising God for who he is, I wonder if she realizes something that we sometimes often miss. And that the fact is, is that parenting comes from the point of the gospel. That usually most of the time when we think about children and raising children, it's either, hey, you do it my way. Or the opposite spectrum is just be free and be who you are. And maybe there is a happy medium in between. And I think that as we look at the gospel motivating our hearts, I think that there's three things that come out from this. And so let's dive right in. The first one is this. Man, what motivates our heart is, I think the first one is, is that we should teach the scriptures. As a mother, as um, anybody who uh, is a Christian, man, we should, we should teach the scriptures. We should have a motivation in our heart to teach the scriptures. 2 Timothy 2, 3, 14 through 17, and I feel like this has been a verse that keeps coming back to us over and over again, but I want to explain it a little bit more. It says this, and Paul is writing to one of his best friends, Timothy, and he says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it. Let's stop right there. I find something very interesting in that process because in this, and you can, if you're in the Bible uh, with me, uh, Timothy chapter 1 brings up a really interesting point about who is teaching Jesus, or who is teaching Timothy. And if you go through it, he actually talks about his mother and his grandmother teaching him the scriptures from way back when. His dad was actually, Timothy's dad was actually a Greek, and so he really doesn't care too much about the uh, Christian tradition. Maybe he does. We don't know a lot about Timothy's dad, but we do know that from this chapter, from 2 Timothy chapter 1, it talks about Paul knowing that his grand, Timothy's mom and grandma are the ones that taught him the scripture, are the ones that are leading him and guiding him into this. And so, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. It's gorgeous and beautiful that the mom, that Paul is writing about the mothers doing just their great job. which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The whole point of Scripture is to help people be wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. As a parent or as a mother, uh, man, I encourage you to desire to teach the Scripture to your children, even if they are out of the house. This is what the Scripture says. 
I wonder if we have a love to learn, to teach, to learn about, oh my goodness. When it comes to teaching the scriptures, I wonder if we have a desire to teach people to love to learn the scriptures or to just know answers about scriptures. Because if it's just simply knowing the answers about the scriptures, then it becomes about pride and it becomes about arrogance and it doesn't become about a heart change because controlling the behavior of children doesn't create a heart change that is sustainable. It's only for a limited amount of time. And so when we're tired and we're hurting, just like Amy said, and we need to teach our kids, I wonder if it is going back and going, hey, am I teaching them to love the scriptures? Or am I simply just wanting to control a behavior? Because parenting was, was ordained by God to be an ongoing conversation with your children. There's both a discipline of correction that's involved in the gospel and a discipline of consequence. And they both are together. It's not usurping authority and saying you're going to do what I want you to do, but it's also going, hey, how do I create heart change? And that's exactly what this scripture is talking about. That as we teach the scriptures, we believe that the people that are around us will realize that it's not just about us and what we want, but it's about understanding that the scriptures guide and direct. Which is what brings us to the second point of what motivates our heart is, do you have a motivation to share joy? Do you have a motivation to share joy? James 1, 2 through 4 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I find it interesting that we could go back and look at the story of Mary, and we can, under, we can look at it and go, what if she would just be in this uh, kind of loop of going, I don't understand, I'm not good enough to do this, I can't do this, please don't make me do this, but hey, if you want me to, I'm just going to grin and bear it. But instead she says, no, I'm counting it all joy to go through this trial. Can you imagine how hard it is already to just be a mother of an ordinary kid? What would it be like to be the mother of the Son of God? And she sits there and she goes, no, I'm praising God for absolutely everything. Because here's what I think, that as we look at James chapter 1 and we say, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials, we realize that the joy is not actually about the outcome. The joy is not about having the perfect kid at the end of all things, or it is, uh, the joy is not to make sure that, hey, I've produced this perfect human being. Actually, the joy is in the journey of that outcome. The joy is maybe seeing those possible moments in which we go, ah, okay, I can maybe correct or I can maybe bring in a conversation. I listened to this podcast uh, called, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. I listened to this podcast called The, called the God-Centered Mom Podcast. Okay, there we go. 
Uh, and uh, Paul David Tripp was on there. And uh, hey, if you want a great podcast as you're driving around and you're a mom, this is a great podcast that called the God-Centered Mom Podcast. And she interviewed a guy by the name of Paul David Tripp, who is probably actually somebody, uh, not actually, it's somebody that I love to follow right now. Uh, he wrote a, an amazing uh, devotional called New Morning Mercies. Uh, I highly suggest it. Go pick it up. Uh, and if you are a parent, there's another one that he just called out, came out with called Parenting. 14 something or others. And I'm not reading it. I'm letting my wife read it so she can just tell me the highlights. So, uh, but this is what he says. He says, if your eyes ever see or your ears hear, ever hear the sin, weakness and failure of your children, it is never an interruption. It is never a hassle. It is always grace to remember that God loves that child and he's put them in a family of faith and he will expose the need of that child to you so that you can be a tool of his rescue and transformation. I want to read that again. If you ever see or your ears ever hear the sin, weakness and failure of your children, it is never an interruption. It is never a hassle. It's always grace. God loves that child. He's put them in a family of faith and he will expose the need of that child to you so that you can be a tool of his rescue and transformation. And so when you share joy, this is what it gets to look like. When you actually see the sin of your children and you would rather go, well, this is, this is a really hard trial. When my mom is sitting here there making tacos and listening to all my failures, she is not sitting there and going, what have I done to fail as a parent? But looks at it as an opportunity to bring about joy. It's about the journey. Matthew 5.16 says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. At every single moment, are we able to let our light shine? Or do we sit there and try to cover our light because maybe we think that we haven't stood up to the right stuff or we haven't been the right parents? I'm telling you, I, I don't think it's about that. It's about the continual effort over and over again to bring back the joy of the gospel that's in our hearts. Wait a second, let me tell you how Jesus thinks about that. Let me tell you how the Holy Spirit can change your mindset on that. What would it be like if we were people that were continually teaching the scriptures and that we were sharing the joy that's in us because we see every single trial as complete joy and that we would share it for the whole world to see so that they can see our good works. How do you do that though? We've talked about this over and over again and when we do a baby dedication, we tell people, hey, if you would continually talk about Jesus at breakfast time, when you wake up, when you're in the car, when you're going to bed, when you're at the dinner table, what would it look like if we took those moments to go, all right, I'm going to share a little bit with my kids instead of just allowing other things to be teaching our kids. 
What if we were in the car and we just simply asked our kids, what do you think about that? What do you think about that process? What do you think about what's going on in that situation? Instead of just simply telling our kids, this is what the Bible says you need to believe it. As we teach the scriptures, what if we actually are molding hearts? What if we're taking every opportunity and not see them as, an hustle, as a hassle or an interruption, but go, my God, help me rescue them and help me to transform them. And I'm telling you, this happens still in adulthood. So if your kid is out of the house, don't stop teaching the scripture. Don't stop sharing with them what God is doing in your life. I'll admit that I'm horrible at talking to my mother. I actually probably haven't talked to my mother in maybe two months except for, hey, love you, have a good day. But I know that when I get with my mom or my dad, they're constantly asking me, hey, what do you think about this? What are you doing in this situation? How are you helping that? Don't neglect that opportunity to just speak to your kids. That's what I mean by share the joy, because as you're a Christ follower, you're continually asking God, man, just bring those moments. And this is how I think you get ready for those moments is number three, that we pray always, that we pray always. Proverbs 22.6 struck me as weird this week as I was thinking about it. And this is what it says. And a lot of you guys know this verse, but the verse says this, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. There's a whole gap there that I feel like is missing in this verse. Train up a child in the way he should go. Dot, dot, dot. But then when he gets old, he won't depart from it. And I think that I think about this is there's so much life in between that semicolon. So much life to be had. And the whole entire thing is, is we, we train them the way they should go and then we pray for them. We teach them the scriptures. We share the joy that's in our hearts and we simply pray for them. We have to know that sometimes we've done exactly what we can do. Because, as I said before, that all of you feel like you're not good enough as a mother already, but here's the encouragement. If we're teaching them the scriptures and we're sharing the joy and we're praying for them, I don't, I don't know what, what much more we can do except for let God intervene. Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And if there's something that you're praying for your kids about, let God know about it. Don't simply try to get in there and make the kids simply do what you want them to do. Man, God, I'm, I'm just going to pray. Man, maybe be praying these things. Paul Tripp asked these questions. What right now is God seeking to do in the heart of your child? God, what, it, what are you wanting to do in my child? The problem is, is that we always make parenting about us. 
God, if they would just get the right person, if they would marry the right person, everything would be okay. Or if they just do the right things, then all look good as a, as a parent. And if we come from that area, guess what? It will always make our responses angry with our children. Maybe instead we start praying that God would soften their hearts towards a relationship with him. Maybe we could be asking God to help us to see each moment as a part of a long process of bringing them closer and closer to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because you're not the one that transforms hearts. I'm sorry, I wish that I could say that. I wish I could say enough discipline can make you transform their heart or whatever. But no, it's, it's the Holy Spirit and their desire to follow God. And God transforms the heart. Maybe we just simply every morning wake up and go, God, would you help us with everything we need today to parent? Because parenting is a massive spiritual warfare. I'll take another, uh, another one from my mom and dad's playbook or my mom's playbook about how to pray. And I always ask my parents, I said, well, how did you pray for us? And my mom looks at me and says, truthfully, I didn't know how to pray for you. But, <laughs> but here's what she prayed always is that we would continually desire to know the scripture in our lives. That we would understand the joy that God brings in terms of following him and letting everything else fall into place. Because my mom said it was never about the right woman to marry or the right job to take over or, or any of those things, but that, that we would follow God. And so when it came time for me to start looking for a wife, my mom and dad never said, hey, I think you should choose this one. They simply asked, hey, are you following God and are you seeking what, what God wants for your life? So when we pray, it's more about our children connecting with God and seeing His ways as the right ways. Never miss an opportunity to pray with your kids. Pray always at, at dinner time and remind them that, man, everything is from God. Pray at bedtime and ask that, man, that they would desire to have a relationship with God. When you go to bed, pray that God would give you the patience to be okay with whatever comes our way the next day. Because what's the most important is not that we're disappointed, but what's the most important is how our children and God are going to continue in a relationship tomorrow. Let's pray. God, I so thank you for mothers. But I also know in this room that doesn't encapsulate the whole entire audience. God, would you put it in our hearts as mothers, as fathers, as brothers, as sisters, as co-workers, as friends, as 
Christ followers, that we would desire to teach your word. That we would capture every single moment to bring it back to your scripture. And that God, when times get tough and they get really hard, we would remember the joy that you that you've given us so that we can share it with everyone around us. And that, God, we continually pray that, God, we're not anxious about anything, but we're seeking for your Holy Spirit to guide and direct around us. God, and today, as we go about the rest of the day, would Would we thank our moms? Would we thank the people that are in those moments of motherhood? And would we give them encouragement and say, keep going. I know it's hard and I know it's tough. God, would you give us the grace to show your mercy and your love for everyone? In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.